Mr. Rand, how are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. How are you? I'm excellent, thank awesome. you. Um, before we get into the album, I'd like to jump back to your beginning in a way. Uh, you grew up in Hillarysville, yes. uh, which has a connection to the new album, obviously. Yes. How would you describe your upbringing there? Man, um, I would describe it as special. Um, and I didn't realize how unique and special it was until I left and wanted to see the world. Um, it was a really unique and interesting part of the rural South and the culture that it possessed. A lot of the things that I grew up with are no longer. Mm -hmm. um, they kind of, all, a lot of these traditions that I used to feel were a regular common thing in Hillaryville are now just distant memories. They've passed with the elders that have gone on. Can you perhaps name one of those things, or can you give me an example? Sure. Um, a good example is whenever I was a kid, there was this black cowboy. We all called him Troop. Um, and Troop would do these things called trail rides, where he would call up his friends, and it would be by the hundreds. It'd be men riding down the streets of Hillaryville in horses, and everybody would come out of their houses and wave. Right. And every once in a while, being like a little kid, you know, like this tall, you wave with your hand in the air and a cowboy would scoop you up and pick you up on the horse and take you for a little ride, you know, maybe for a mile or two, which was really fun, but then you had to walk all the way back home. <laughs> uh, but that was always really fun and it always felt very special. And it's something that doesn't happen anymore. And especially in, in the rural South, what role does music play? Because uh, I can imagine, uh, the, obviously, the way you sing, that there's a choir uh, influence in there. So, so how, did it shape, how did the town shape you musically? Man, it, it, in, it continues to inspire me. I think it's a big contributing factor in the way that I sing. Um, going to church every Sunday and Wednesday, um, I would hear these amazing singers who had no ambition to do what I'm doing. Mm. You know, they were arguably more talented than I am. But what they, what they desired was just to go to church and express and sing their hearts out once a week. And hearing those folks really shaped who I am as a musician even more so now than back then, because now that they're gone, I really feel a duty to uphold their legacy and, and keep it alive. Yeah, do you feel a responsibility in that sense? Because I know one of the lines now I have to quickly find, um, life can find a way to keep you there if you will let it. And, and kind of what you mentioned just now, do you feel a responsibility to kind of represent uh, Hillarysville? Yes, in a way, I feel like an ambassador of sorts now. You know, the town, in a way, is slowly dying and disappearing. And what was once sugarcane fields that surrounded Hillaryville is now these subdivisions that are popping up um, all around. And these people who are moving into these newly built homes have no context of 
this place and how special it is. I really do feel like Hillaryville should be sovereign land mm. in a way because it was given to enslaved people as a form of reparations. Sure. And they built this wonderful community at one point in time. And um, as long as I'm alive, I want to keep their story alive as well. One thing I find interesting, because you mentioned the kind of growing up there and, and, and that it isn't the same town anymore, that obviously there's some uh, decline in, in, in some sort. But there's the, the, there's, I, I feel both pride and, and but also a sense of when you, at least when you were younger, to, to get out of there. So what was that idea of, you, you went to Indiana to study music and all that kind yeah. of stuff. So what was the initial thing of getting out of there and what brought you back? Man, yeah, I wanted to escape it, you know, having the small town blues mm. and, you know, going on the internet and seeing, you know, what the world seemed like outside or beyond the sugar, the sugarcane fields. I wanted to see it for myself. Once I got out of Hillaryville and a lot of my friends who left can attest to this as well, we just would constantly think of home mm. and think of how special it was. Being away from there made me realize just how unique and special of a place it was. And um, I began to feel honored and proud to be a part of its legacy. And I think that it's part of my duty as an artist to um, shed light on on this place now. Yeah, and the reason why I ask you about this place is obviously it's kind of the, the foundation of what the album is built on. So, and then obviously you played with the uh, indications and, and you had uh, three albums uh, done really well for yourself. When, when did it begin to kind of itch to, to, to create an album that was more you, more personal, more about this, this topic that we're discussing now? Honestly, the pandemic. Okay. Um, I've had these songs in my pocket since like 2016. Okay. Um, and I've always wanted to find a way to let them live. In some ways, I thought maybe, you know, they could live with the indications in some sense. But when the pandemic happened, I realized, okay, I need to tell my story. You know, like, I think a lot of artists, you know, had similar epiphanies during the pandemic where, you know, it's just just this realization of, um telling something a little more personable, a little more vulnerable. Um, with the indications, a lot of the stuff that I've written with, all of the stuff that I've written with the indication is through collaboration. Um, and so, yeah, I'm telling a story um, with the, I'm telling, I'm telling a story with the indications, but it's in aggregate. It's not sure. fully my, my picture. It's not fully my um, perspective. And so that was something that I needed to do. And I need to see if I could actually do it. Mm. Um, and so I gave myself the task of doing this. But I've been, you mentioned the word vulnerability and also, yeah. I mean, my handwriting is terrible, but the, the, I, I, 
I remember you, oh yeah, vulnerability uh, being an ultimate form of strength. And I think this was in reference to that feeling, but um, this notion of vulnerability, I can, that, that's not an easy thing to do. So what got you into that, on that path and kind of gave you the conviction to go through with it? It was James Baldwin. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Um, I saw James and what he did as uh, a young queer black man in America. And uh, he said it in one of his interviews. He was like, you weren't going to find me out. I was going to tell you about myself. And, you know, he really took something that a lot of people would consider to be a weakness and he made it a strength. Sure. And it and through that, he became a pillar of the community. Um, and so, you know, seeing James be so vulnerable through his art and find strength through that, I wanted to do the same thing with mine. And uh, I really appreciate him for, for that inspiration. When you wrote The Feeling, what was the... Because I can imagine you writing that even before you had any intention of releasing it. So, so mm -hmm. what was the mindset when you wrote that? And then what kind of convinced you, no, I, this, this is important, I should release this? Man, I just, you know, man, I was recalling that love um, and how I was so afraid of it and ashamed of it. Um, and, you know, just the melody I'm trying to find that feeling. Um, just those words, I would be driving home from work and melodies would pop in my head and, and little things. And on my birthday in September, of September 7th, 2015, um, I was living in this house with a piano and I was like, you know what? The best birthday gift would be to hash out a song on this piano and those words came to mind and the the music and the melody just kind of just flowed out. It was almost like this bubble that I had inside that was of frustration and emotions and all these different things. I was building, building, building. And by the time I sat at that piano, it just burst to the point to where everything just flowed out so organically. I can imagine it sounds very liberating. Um... What has it been like releasing that song and then kind of uh, getting the responses that you did? And I think the outpouring of, of support has been great. So um, kind of getting that off your chest, but also kind of feeling creatively liberated in a way. Well, what was that like? Oh, man, indescribable, honestly. I was so afraid. And now I'm wondering like what I was afraid of. Mm -hmm. You know, um, I... It's been absolutely beautiful and I feel liberated and, and definitely free for so long. I was so worried about making other people comfortable that I didn't even realize that for most of my life, I wasn't comfortable in my own skin. Mm. And now I'm over that hill and I just, I, I feel, I, I feel absolutely free. That's great yeah. to hear. That's, uh, that's very good to hear. Um, musically then, when you had a couple of songs and you kind of had these ideas of what you wanted to do, uh, I think you gathered uh, four people around you to, to help you kind of uh, with the music. I, I wrote their names and so I just want to quickly mention yeah. them. Ben, Matt, uh, Drake and Glenn, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
So how did you approach then turning the, this, this very personal, very honest story into kind of this musical soundscape? What, what was the, the intention? The intention was to make it art forward. Um, whenever I was coming up with the concepts for this record and what we we're going to do in the studio, um, the musicians were very encouraging of me to share with them what my inspirations were. And so I wanted to not just share with them my music inspirations, but I wanted to share with them literature from James Baldwin, from Toni Morrison, from Yoko Ono, from Jasmine Ward, Claudia Rankine, Fred Moulton, um, and then other artists of different mediums like Teresita Fernandez, um, uh, Nick Cave, not the musician, but this guy who makes these things called sound suits, where he felt like if he covered up the whole body with these beautiful, intricate, elaborate suits, you know, would you be able to judge me based off of what you see? Um, which were absolutely incredible. Glenn Ligon, this amazing um, multimedia artist, um, Anna Buckner, this quilt painter who just makes these really quirky, amorphous uh, paintings by quilting, mm. which is absolutely incredible. Um, sharing all this stuff with these guys, we created these books um, that we all had in the studio to the point to where we could flip open the book and I could be like, okay, I want this groove to feel like this Anna Buckner quilt painting. I want it to move and, and feel jagged and, and all these different <laughs> forms, just like this, you know, or I want this, I want the drums to sound like this Nick Cave sound suit whenever it's walking. Um, was able to do all of these really abstract things even like saying, okay, we're playing this song and it's sounding way too purple and I need it to sound red. Sure. And they're like, okay, yeah. You know, I can't do that with every musician. You deal with some folks and they'll be like, what the fuck? <laughs> what? Red? Okay. I don't know. You know, but these guys were like really into it and, and really wanted to see what we could get out of it. Um, so I really appreciate them, you know, having that intention of art first with this so yeah so last question then with, with that in mind then the the title track is wait till i get over yes. what was the page of kind of the book that you, that you now mentioned uh, about wait till i get over what, what was on that page what was on that page like for like the inspiration yes oh man um i'm thinking of this really amazing artist her name is crystal warren this is this one was um highly influenced by uh, the music of the church that I grew up in. Sure. Um, and also there's just this recording of, I had this song in my head for the longest time and um, I didn't know how to do it. And I heard this record, Three the Hard Way by Crystal Warren. And the last song is titled Move. And she recorded herself in a way like she's her own choir. Mm. And I talked to her producer, Ben Kane who also works with D'Angelo. He did like the Black Messiah record with D'Angelo. And I asked Ben, I was like, how did Krista do that? And he shared with me how she did it. And so I went home and set up a mic in my room and just went for it. Okay. Yeah. 
That's yeah. amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Durant, may I thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me? Thank you so much. I really appreciate it.